Hi, this is the Blues Podcast, and I'm Big Boy Bloater. Now, I know I say this often that I have legend with me, but today I really do have an absolute legend with me. Uh, we get a lot of guitar players here on the Blues Podcast, but this guy is a multi-instrumentalist. <laughs> he plays just everything. A fantastic guy, a fantastic musician, a really nice guy. It's my great, massive, very pleasurable honour to introduce to you the one and only Edgar Winter. Hey, Hi, Edgar. what an intro. Big boy, are you ready to rock and roll? <laughs> I'm always ready, Edgar. Fire away. <laughs> um, it's, it's, great, it's great to have you on the show, man. It really is. You've had such an interesting... Uh, career i'm not quite sure where to start actually i am i am sure where to know where to start i want to go right back to the early days uh talk a little bit about um yourself and of course your brother johnny i was interested to find out that you guys started playing ukuleles that's how you started out uh well, how did that come about with the ukulele was that your parents idea or is it something you guys wanted to do yes uh our whole family was musical my dad played uh guitar and banjo and he played alto sax in a swing band in his youth. Uh, he sang in the choir, the church choir, and he had a barbershop quartet that would come over to the house and sing. And he showed us our first chords on ukuleles. Uh, and I think this was when Johnny was about seven and he's three years older. So I would have been yeah. only four years old. And my mother swears that we went on this radio show, like a, a, a kid hour show called the Uncle Willie yeah. Show when I was just four years old. And I wasn't able to play yet. Johnny played uke and I was singing <laughs> harmony. But we were little kids singing like Everly Brothers, wake up little Susie, yeah. I wanna go home. Dunga, 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 you know. <laughs> then Johnny graduated to guitar and uh, that was just like instantaneously uh, his, acts and it became apparent yeah. to me that he was going to be the guitar player uh in the family in the group so i just said well i'll play everything else so <laughs> i uh i switched over to bass guitar for a while and then i played drums in in the band for a while then electric pianos came out uh, i heard ray charles doing yeah. what i say i said oh, yeah. wow what a cool sound i've got to, i've got to have one of those so uh and i remember beating my hands bloody on those upright pianos you'd stick a mic in it and it would all feed back and it was it was a nightmare so electric pianos hey i've got an amp just like a guitar player so that was yeah. that was a lot of fun uh and that's that's then we started to put together bands with our uh, like our friends around the neighborhood and because our whole family was musical my mom played beautiful classical piano and granddad played trumpet and my great-grandfather played fiddle played violin so it, it was just sort of a family uh household activity and we thought everybody must have played and then you know we started talking to our friends and what your daddy didn't show you no chords or nothing what's go what's, yeah, right. what's going on? so i uh johnny uh johnny loved uh, the spotlight he ever since i can remember he wanted to be a star and he had that drive and ambition he had the dream and i uh 
uh, I never really had that. I never had that much of a desire. I just loved music in and of itself, the beauty of chords and harmony and rhythm. And uh, so he was Johnny Cool Daddy Winter with the pompadour and the guitar and the shades and the girls. And I was like the quiet kid that played all the instruments. So I, uh, uh, Johnny would pick the songs and he'd learn the songs and learn all the guitar parts and then I had to figure out what everybody else was playing and then they'd show our friends around the neighborhood since they didn't play I was I was the music teacher so I showed them all the parts yeah <laughs> <laughs> I've heard you say before that you know you weren't kind of that interested in the spotlight it was Johnny's kind of thing and you were happy to hang back but I've seen, I mean, I've seen clips of you on video and you, you work in the spotlight pretty good, I think. Is it something you had to work on or is it, did it, was it actually naturally there, but you just didn't really know it was there? I didn't know it was there and I, I had no desire to do it. Uh, it was Woodstock. Woodstock changed my yeah. life. But uh, yeah, I really got to enjoy it. But when I was younger, uh, I never thought that, uh, you know, I never thought about what I looked like when I was playing. And, you know, we, we, we were playing like things like after the football game dances and, you know, church socials. And, and then we, you know, we started playing in clubs when I was in my teens and it was all dance music. And, you know, it wasn't a lot of, wasn't a lot of blues really. It was mainly whatever was on the radio. So, uh, you know, and I, as I was saying, I never thought about the look until Johnny invited me up to New York and to play on his first several albums and then uh, to sit in with his blues trio as, as a special guest, which was really cool because nobody knew Johnny had a brother. So he'd play the first half of the set <laughs> With the with the trio and now I'm gonna bring on my little brother Edgar and he said wow <sighs> everybody went crazy they said wow they look alike you know so there's, there's two of them oh, yeah wow. exactly <laughs> but it got to be a lot of fun I enjoy jumping around and having a good time on stage it certainly looks like it yeah like I say well I've watched many a clip where you've just been absolutely rocking it you know and I've thought this you know. This this guy says he's not in the, interested in the spotlight, but but look at him go! He's, it's fantastic. It's you know, it's <laughs> you really you, you really sold it. I think you know to be honest. So well, I think you've done. I think for a guy who says he didn't like the spotlight, you've done you've done good there, man. It's, uh, thank you, uh, thank you. Should be proud of that. <laughs> I know you've got an awful lot of different musical tastes, and it wasn't just the blues for you. It was, uh, it was lots of jazz and and classical stuff. Was that 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 was something you picked up? I know you said your mum was like a classical pianist. Mm -hmm. Uh, was that something you picked up from your parents? Uh, yeah, largely. Uh, our taste, Johnny loved the country style acoustic blues. He loved Muddy and Little Walter and uh, Howlin' Wolf and, uh, you know, Robert Johnson and, and uh, the, some of the Texas guys like Johnny Guitar Watson, T-Bone Walker, uh, Gatemouth Brown. And uh, I gravitated more toward uh, people like Ray Charles and Bobby Blue Bland and B.B. King, the, you know, uh, horn style, more urban style yeah. blues. And uh, when I started listening, Ray was, I just loved Ray. I loved that. I loved his band and I, I loved his uh, music. He had that gospel soul and, and 
just a great piano player and the most soulful singer ever has been. Uh, and, uh, and that's, I guess that's what got me interested in jazz was listening to Ray. And then I started discovering all of the horn players in my teens. I hadn't, uh, I like I said, I had played uh, guitar, bass, drums, and, and keyboards. And uh, then I, I drug my dad's old alto sax out of the attic and learned how to play that. And, and then like uh, R&B was getting popular and there were bands uh, like uh, Otis Redding and Wilson Pickett and you know, all Midnight Hour, all that stuff. So, uh, and all of the, all of the old, like Little Richard was all sax solos. Uh, uh, and, and I thought, well, next to guitar, sax is the rockinest instrument there is. So, uh, so there, there were two attractions for the saxophone: was the the rock style and the jazz style. And then I discovered, you know, uh, Cannonball Adderley was my favorite guy, uh, and uh, Charlie Parker was really the great genius innovator. He started it all, and Miles, all the jazz, Coltrane, all those guys. So, uh, yeah. And I, I just, I got immersed in that for a while, and I still love, I still love jazz. I don't listen to it as much as, as I did, as, uh, as a kid. But I do, I love the, uh, the improvisational. I mean, it's, it's really deep music, you know. And, and, uh, you know, I, uh, and Johnny listened to it as well. You wouldn't have thought so, but uh, uh, he, uh, he actually enjoyed uh, other styles i think more than people would have imagined or realized back in the early days when you know you, you were playing together and you started to bring in some some sax into the band am i right in thinking johnny wasn't really kind of down with that um you know the, the sort of alto sax sound he didn't kind of think it was working and how, how did that make you feel was that did that cause friction between you two guys or was it just a kind of musical thing that's cool yeah, it. Uh, um, I think it was more my interest in jazz uh, rather than saxophone as an instrument. We had had two sax players in the band, and they were they were rock. You know, they were just straight ahead rock guys. I think Johnny didn't want me playing sax in the band because he knew that I would be uh, uncontrollable, and of course he was right. So, did you? Um, I mean, you know, did you? want to want to go more down that jazz route was that really where your heart was because i know you've done all sorts of different sort of musics uh you know you, you've explored many different genres of music and and uh and styles and all that is that really where your heart was it, you know, at that time most fond yeah yeah at that okay. time i i was i was heavily into jazz and uh yeah. and i did that for a while in other words uh I formed several different groups and, you know, tried to play as much jazz as I could, mostly like supper club kind of standards where there are a lot of changes and, uh, and you get to, you get to improvise, you know, to, you know, to some extent. And I also played in a lot of big bands then, uh, which is, uh, where I ran into all the guys that later became white trash. White trash was sort of a, a a reunion of all the guys that I played with in various horn bands back in in Texas and Louisiana, but uh, uh, after uh, 
after I did that for a while and then got interested in arranging, uh, Johnny decided because there were so many songs coming out uh, with horns in them, he, he wanted to have, we, we had a little horn section, trumpet and uh, alto or tenor, you know, two horn guys, very bluesy kind of, you know, simple, simple part, but, you know, enough to, to uh, give it that feel of of R&B stuff which was a lot of what we were playing so and um you know you just mentioned like I love classical I've never been able to understand why music has to be separated uh into genres like that to me it's all it's it, you know it, it's all music and uh it either takes you somewhere or or it doesn't and I think there's all kinds yeah. of great music I mean there's there's great blues, there's great jazz, there's great rock, there's great classical. I mean, any kind of, like polka music, there's gonna be some guy that just tears it up, you know? Whatever style it is, uh, just, it's such a heartfelt thing and music is a universal language. Uh, and I've always marveled at how, like the blues in particular is something that I've always loved and you know, I, I've never concentrated on blues. I always wanted to stay out of Johnny's way. I didn't want, just out of love and respect for Johnny, you know, I had the band White Trash, which was really uh, the closest I got to uh, blues. Being R&B, that was a real, I mean, that was the real deal. White Trash was a real R&B band. But I, I really tried to stay out of Johnny's area there you mentioned as well earlier that uh that you, your brother johnny uh, obviously you've got the new album coming out which is a tribute to him uh but he you said that he's your you know biggest musical hero do you um i mean what, what turning the tables a little bit on that what did he think about your musical career and, and what you were doing did he was he ever you know did he ever give you any advice or did he ever turn to you and say oh man you shouldn't have done that or did, you, did he ever give away what he was really thinking about your musical output I think Johnny liked, uh, he supported and encouraged me in, I think more in jazz and classical uh, than in rock. I think he felt that that was yeah. where my heart was. Uh, also less competition for him <laughs> if, I, yeah. if, I, uh, <laughs> yeah. if I restricted myself to that area. But, but I do think that, that he honestly cared of you know uh uh we were inseparable as as kids and learned to play together and uh and had almost a sort of telepathic communication when it came to like i i knew all his licks and he had heard a lot of mine and uh yeah. you know we it was it was great playing together and and i also i think that uh for example, when he did the first album, uh, he put Drowning My Own Tears on, on that record and with no guitar. And I always felt like he did that song, especially for me, because uh, he, he knew how much I loved Ray and I think he wanted to give me the opportunity to, uh, to play something on the album that that I loved and that would be in my style. So, you know, he just said, 
right out the horn parts, just like Ray did it, you know, and uh, play the piano and I'll sing it, you know, and, and, uh, and no guitar. And I, uh, it was so emotional for me when I did my version on this album, because I, I felt, I felt like I was singing that song back to him the same way he sang it to me when he was so young and alive. And also I felt like I was singing it for all the guys in past bands, uh, Ronnie Montrose, Dan Hartman, the people that are no longer with us, to, to my parents who have gone. It, it, was, it was very emotional. I was sitting, I, as a matter of fact, here, right here in my home studio is where the whole album started. I, I played all the songs on piano and then uh, sang all the vocals right here in this in this studio. So it was late at night and I was singing and I got all choked up and cried, but got through it. So That Ray Charles song is one of my favorites. And I thought it was a, a, just a, a, a magical version of that really, really just the opening chord just wow, sold you. it to me straight away. It was brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> loved it. Absolutely loved it. Uh, I want to go just back a little bit to uh, what we were talking about earlier when I was saying, you know, I saw you, I've seen lots of videos of you, you know, moving and shaking and really doing it, really selling it, getting in that spotlight and doing it. Um, to, to, just to prove a point, you were, you were like the first guy to put a strap on a keyboard, right? I mean, how did you come up with that idea? Was it because you wanted to get out from the keyboard and do your thing? Where did that come from? Because that's a brilliant, that's a brilliant invention, you know. Well, thank you. It, it's, tell such, us about that. it's such an obvious idea. I, I was amazed that no one had, had thought of it before. But I was always frustrated being stuck behind a big bank of keyboards because you, you can't yeah. move, you can't go anywhere. And you, you know, you've got, a, you know, a sustain pedal, one foot on a sustain pedal, another foot on the volume pedal. and you're behind all of these instruments. Nobody can see what you're doing. And, uh, and if you're singing, you're pretty much chained to that spot. And uh, what gave me the idea was uh, when the early synthesizers, there, were, uh, there, there was the Moog, uh, Robert yeah. Moog, generally credited with inventing the synthesizer. That was like one big bulky unit but uh yeah, right. <laughs> th there was this synth called the arp uh the arp 2600 and it had a separate keyboard a remote keyboard so that like the brain or the guts of it was this mad scientist looking contraption with all kinds of knobs and sliders you've probably seen me play it on videos uh yeah, yeah. and then the keyboard had this big umbilical cord you know connecting that thing and i saw it in a music store and i said Oh, looks like you could just put a strap on that thing and 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 play it. It was light enough, you know, which is exactly what I proceeded to do. And I'll never forget the first night I walked out with that keyboard strapped on. It was ah, the crowd just went crazy. <laughs> Nobody had seen yeah. anything like it before. And you could even say, I think of all, all the things I've done throughout my career. Just coming up with that idea was a real game changer. It really changed the face of music. It changed the look of a lot of bands, and it certainly yeah. changed certainly changed keyboard world. And uh, then, of course, I started looking for an instrument, an, a, 
a song to showcase and feature the synthesizer and uh, uh, the riff that later became Frankenstein was something that I wrote years before when I was playing with Johnny uh, when he would introduce me as his little brother it like it was that dun, 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 dun. it was like a cool bluesy kind of walk-on riff you know and we played a, we played a version of it uh, back then with uh, I played Hammond organ and B3 Hammond B3 and alto sax and then I did a drum solo a dual drum solo with with Johnny's drummer yeah. Red Turner at the time so you know we played it and forgot all about it but then later uh, later I thought oh, but that riff would just sound really cool with that subsonic synth bottom and as soon as we hit it man we said oh this is this is this is killer this is this is something this is this is going somewhere so we just worked it up and started playing it live i never thought of recording it because the thing like as soon as i would invent a new sound i that would inspire me to write a different section and so we'd add that to the song and it kept getting longer and longer and longer and longer and it got to be like you know almost a half hour long 20 25 minutes long wow. so uh, we finally we finally accidentally recorded it just messing around in the studio like the cardinal rule back then was tape is always rolling you know so we'd come in yeah, yeah. a lot of times that we'd would warm up you know because that song was just so much fun to play so you know there there you go that's how frankenstein came into existence <laughs> that's great you know being a multi-instrumentalist like you are uh it, it Having a synthesizer coming along with it could make so many different great sounds. Must have been a fantastic thing. Must have been very, you know, give, give you lots of ideas, like you say. Was it easy to sell it to the audience as well? Was everybody on board with this new sound? Or did you have to kind of work a little bit and go, no, guys, this is going to be great. You know, jump on. Mm, no. Was it, was it easy taking that new technology? It was easy. Uh, it, it was easy in live terms. Now, conceptually, synthesizer was uh it was getting a bad rap uh like people were accusing it of dehumanizing music and there were a lot of people that were more uh programmers than uh than being musically inclined and they yeah. would they would like create you know kind of dumb loops you know fast things that they physically couldn't play you know but that they could program a synthesizer to do and then a lot of people were using synthesizers to uh, emulate the sounds of already existing instruments like to be a horn section or to be strings or to be a, like a, a piano and i i loved all those old sci-fi movies like forbidden planet you know that had uh had synth and theremin and all of those things so i just looked at it well here's a brand new instrument uh and the other thing that 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 i used to argue this with people when they would talk about it being like dehumanizing music i said well look at a piano what is what is that it's rods and hammers and pedals and strings yeah. it's a machine and you can't do much what you go bing you strike a note and and that's that's it and now that's a like a more a symbol of of the uh 
of the Industrial Revolution, but a synthesizer is the information age. It is as flexible as the human mind. You, you've got oscillators that can create any kind of a waveform, so you can make it sound like anything, and then you can introduce modulations like vibrato, pitch bend, growl, like all of these. You can, you can do anything with it. That, to me, is a million times more human, you know, than the clunky old piano that's more like a machine. So that, that was my argument for the synthesizer. You're right that it, it was easy live when people saw it and then they would hear it and they'd, oh, wow, he's on a strat. You can actually see what he's doing. You know, that was a, that yeah. was a new thing. And plus, they, are, they were, you know, you, they were cool sounding. You could make them sound like a guitar if you wanted or, or virtually anything you could imagine. So uh, so it wasn't a hard sell live-wise, but it, I think it was like in, in terms of, of people's ideas about it. So there you go. Yeah. yeah. What about uh, these days? Uh, obviously lots and lots of technological uh, leaps in music these days. You know, there's lots of stuff going on. Are you as uh, quick to embrace it now as you were back in those days? Well, everything is digital now and everything, uh, it's, it's just that, uh, it's not that I'm any more or less into it or out of it, but it's just so commonly done. Like almost all records uh, are, you know, a lot of them aren't even live drums. A lot of them are totally computer driven and uh, it's more computer than it is just synthesizer now because you've got like back in the synthesizer days you had to create the sounds you had to understand wave synthesis and uh, then they started coming out with workstations where they would have hundreds of programs like you want a piano boom you push a button you got a grand piano you want a saxophone you push another button you want strings push another button uh you had to do all that with patch chords and ingenuity back in the synthesizer day but uh now uh now it's a different world so uh not only do i still use it but everybody does so it's you know it's it's a, an idea that uh, has, the, the world has fully embraced. And I, I don't even think people, it's so prevalent, people don't even, they're not even aware of it existing. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the average person, they'll hear a record and they don't think, like I listen to them and I say, oh, I know what, what drum machine that is, or I know yeah, what like, sound that is, I know. But normal people, they just think, you know, it's just music. You know, they don't they don't realize that a lot of it is being not physically played by people in a lot of cases. If, if you and Johnny have been born 50 years later, do you think your musical careers would have taken off as much as they did back in back in the day? Um, I think I think Johnny's drive and determination would have uh, would have seen him become a star regardless of what era or age he was born in and uh as i said i have him to thank uh for you know 
the career that I've enjoyed over the years. And, uh, you know, who knows what, if it hadn't been for Johnny's fame and popularity, uh, I don't know what I might have been like an engineer or something like a music teacher or uh, I would have been in music somehow. I, I don't know exactly how or a, a struggling jazz musician, you know, uh, <laughs> who knows what I would have done. But yeah, I think that's an interesting question. I don't think anyone's ever asked me that before. But yeah, uh, the blues is still around. You, you, and and, and I, I'll guarantee you 50 years from now, uh, you know, people tend to think of the blues as something that's old, it's already happened, and, it, and it's kind of over with. But blues, yeah. to me, it's the granddaddy of all, of all music. Blues developed into ragtime, and then Dixieland, and then swing, and then modern jazz, and then yeah. found its way into rock and roll. And, and uh, I mean, people like Chuck Berry, I mean, it's blues, uh, and then the other yeah. the other influence was the was the country influence, the rockabilly kind of like uh, Jerry Lee Lewis and and those those and Elvis, you know, those guys. But uh, there was also country in within blues itself. There was country blues and urban blues, like I was saying. Johnny loved the country blues, and 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 uh, I like the jazzier urban style of blues, but. Uh, but I think people forget or they're or, or not even aware of uh, what a profound influence blues continues to have on every every form of popular music that you hear today. Yeah, it's it's here to yeah, stay. Absolutely. <laughs> I think so. I think it's I think it's still in its infancy, to be honest. I think mm -hmm. the great thing about blues is that it's continuously uh, reinvented itself. You know, just when you think you've got a handle on what the blues is, somebody comes along, like Johnny, change, changes it all again, you know, and, yeah. and then someone yeah. comes along a few years later and changes it again. And be, what, from what it started out to, uh, to what it's become now, it's a very different beast, but it's all still blues and it's yeah. still growing. Uh, I guess that's the exciting thing. That's what keeps people interested, I guess, in the blues. Yeah, and, it, and it's so universal. Like, you can go anywhere in the world with people that you can't talk to, that you, you know, that speak a different language, but, uh, you know, you can sit down and play the blues with them instantly. And, you know, they know exactly what it is and you've got an instant communication. Uh, and it's, uh, it's, it's a great, it's a great bridge. Another thing uh, that's ironic to me, I, I really believe that, that blues and jazz are the two uniquely American you know, great contributions to music. And, uh, yeah. and it, the irony is in that, that blues musicians are so much more highly respected and appreciated and revered everywhere else in the world, like in the UK, uh, yeah. everywhere else in the world other than here in America where the music originated. And it's like, like, I can go to Japan and play the Blue Notes and play jazz or go uh, play the Montreux Jazz Festival, but uh, they w the people will not think of me as a jazz musician here in the United States. 
and I, and I don't know what what's right. up. I don't know what's up with that. But <laughs> I mean, you you've worked with so many people over the years. You know, the real big names, huge names in music. Uh, worked with you know everybody. Was there anybody? Was there on this album? Was there anybody you wanted to get that you couldn't get? Uh oh yeah. Uh, you know the first people, the first guitar players I thought of were were uh, Clapton, Jeff Beck, and and Jimmy Page, and uh, uh, for you know whatever reasons I uh, uh, could get any of those guys, but. Uh, maybe if we if we do another one who knows maybe uh maybe next time around but uh there you know that's the great thing about music is that if you stick around long enough you eventually run into uh people that that have uh shaped and influenced your music people that you love and respect and and like i never dreamed that i would meet one of the Beatles and play on stage, you know, with, yeah. uh, and one of the, uh, uh, you know, I, uh, Ringo asked, uh, we met in 2008, he invited me to play in the all-star band on his 70th birthday. We were at radio city music hall in, in New York. And there was a surprise plan for him that he was not aware of. And it was after we'd walked off stage and we were coming back on to do the encore. And on over the opposite side of the stage walks on Paul McCartney and Joe Walsh. Oh, wow. yeah. And then we're playing birthday. I I just I just lost it. I said, I can't believe I'm on stage yeah. with two of the Beatles with Paul McCartney. Hey, it's your birthday, you know, and, and I, it was just it was I I was beyond happy you know, over the moon i said this i can't believe this is, is happening and uh, and uh you know michael mcdonald he's just one and he's on this album and yeah he yep. just does a magical vocal on the stranger which is a very uncharacteristic johnny song a beautiful ballad really uh, uh not a song that you would it, it shows his sensitive vulnerable side that that he was yeah. sort of reluctant to you know to put out there much but uh playing with michael was just a, a a great joy i just love his voice and he's such a talented writer and player uh and I, you know i got to work with leon russell uh, another great one of one of uh, my favorite keyboard guys and uh that you know that was a whole different musical education in in itself and uh like you said so many people uh but um uh, you know through it all it's it's always been always been the music that that keeps me going it keeps me interested uh you know i've uh you know, fell in love with music at such an early age, and and it's uh, and I love it every bit as much today as I did when I first started out playing. Yeah, do you, do you feel it? It keeps you young, keeps you going. <laughs> Absolutely, a good point. It does, and and if you ever get bored, just pick up and pick up a new instrument. 
and that's that's what I've always done. And you're back to square one, and it reminds you of the way it was when you were first starting out. As a multi-instrumentalist, like you are playing just pretty much everything, do you do you gravitate to certain instruments for for writing? Do you is the you, do you think oh, I'm going to do a bit of a ballad song, so I'll hit the piano? Or if it's more a rock song, do you, do you sort of head for the, the guitar? Or how does that work for you? Good, good question. Uh, I don't like to use instruments in in my writing. I write. I like to write in my imagination. I just like to hear right. music in my head, and I, and I find that if I uh, if I sit down at a keyboard or pick up a guitar, uh, I tend to fall into the repetitive patterns that. Uh, that I'm familiar with on that instrument, yeah. and uh, and guitar players generally write guitar songs, and keyboard players yeah. like uh, like Elton John or Billy Joel write keyboard style songs. I for writing, I do most of my writing like in that sort of alpha state where you're just where you're drifting off to sleep or just you know i've i dream a lot of songs i've written several songs in dreams and uh, i'll just be uh coming back into consciousness out of a deep sleep and and uh hearing music in my head and i will keep a little you know memo recorder or a pad and pencil there to write down ideas uh but uh but sometimes i will Sometimes I will want to write a song like that, like a real piano song or a guitar song, and then I will pick up that instrument. But in general, I like to uh, just imagine the just imagine the songs, hear the melodies, and just uh, sort of to me, it's it's a freer kind of experience. So uh, yeah, and and I uh, the instruments. I love saxophone. I consider that my main instrument. There's something about the saxophone. It's uh, your life's breath is supporting the tone, and and you can you can bend notes with your embouchure with your with your lip, yeah. and uh, you and you have a natural vibrato that that you that you also do with your with your lip and your embouchure. And it's like it becomes an extension of your it's similar to the guitar in that respect it's a more human uh instrument keyboard is great for visualizing a whole song you've got the all the keys you know and you can play chords you can play bass in the left hand you play chords and you can play melody uh you can't do that on any other instrument you can sort of do it on guitar if you're really great, if you're very clever, <laughs> you know, but uh, not many people can play guitar like that. And uh, uh, so keyboard is great for understanding music theory, too. You know, it's really good. But it just to have fun playing, I, I uh, uh, the saxophone is the instrument that for just jamming, playing jazz, I'm more fluid. I can I can pretty much that whatever I can think of, I can pretty much play on that instrument, but uh, uh, not so much so with keyboard. It's, uh, I, I just never, never practiced hard enough <laughs> to develop all that technique and facility. Uh, but I yeah. love keyboard. I love keyboard. It's I great. think 
I think saxophone's interesting. I mean, I, I I tried to play it a little bit, and I had to go on, you know, a few and learn learn all the keys and notes. Mm -hmm. For me, it's um, it's such it's a very organic instrument, but it doesn't make any sense. The keys, uh, you know, uh, all over the place. You know, you you go down, and then you got to press another button, and you, you get a different note, and it's it's all over. like you say with a piano. Everything's laid out in front of you, and you can see all the notes, and it it kind of makes sense. It's 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 yeah yeah it's there and guitar as well is the same all the notes are laid out it's there saxophone it's like it, it, I, i'm not surprised saxophone is such a a big instrument in jazz because it's 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 it just seems to let itself that it's the craziness and I, yeah, yeah i, I could yeah. i could never get on with that yeah so yeah, yeah. i salute you for uh for, well thank you for working out <laughs> how to play the sax <laughs> thank you big boy <laughs> yeah i love it i love you know guitar you you the, th the cool thing about guitar is that uh, the it's easy to transpose you like if you if you learn a position you can just move it up a fret and do the exact if you learn a lick on piano like it's com you have to completely relearn everything in every every yeah. key is yeah. every key is different so uh, yeah. but uh, visually the piano like you said you can see all the notes on a guitar you can't exactly like you can play an e on your low e string or the a string or you can play it in a whole bunch of different places you know and yeah, so yeah. it's uh it's 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 a bit different and and uh it is one thing it, certain things are easier on guitar and certain things are some are harder you know on on keyboard but that's the world of music that's what makes it so much fun Maybe every instrument absolutely every every instrument is different if they're all the same it would be boring wouldn't it, it, would. right? it, just, it would everything be. would come out sounding the same so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, edgar i always like to finish up these uh, these little chats with uh, with a bit of a crazy question so i'm going to fire this at you now um stick with me because it is a bit of an odd one but uh, I, i'd love to hear what you say it's it's years in the future and um you are still with us. You're still playing. You are, st you know, you're, you're, you're great. You're loving it. You're, you know, doing all your stuff. The world is a beautiful place. We seem to have sorted out all our problems and kind of, you know, got everything fixed and everything's great. And until one day we get the news that there's going to be a big meteorite come and just obliterate the earth. It's going to be nothing left. It's going to be gone. So, um, the world president gets on the phone to you and uh, he or she uh, uh, says, uh, you know, uh, Edgar, I know you've heard about, you know, it's the, the end of the world is coming and all that. So, listen, we thought the best thing to do would be to, uh, for the human race, to go out on, on the world's biggest party. We're going to throw this huge <laughs> party. It's going to be fantastic all around the world. Everyone's going to be t taking part in it. Uh, and then the world president says, Edgar, we want we want you to put a band together to play. And uh, the question is, who's going to be in the band and, and what song are you going to play? Woo! There you go. Who's in Whoa. the band? What song are you going to play? <laughs> uh, is, is it people now living or can I choose from... from uh... I, I think because it's in the future, we can have like holograms of people and that sort of thing. So you can choose anyone, dead or alive. Uh, yeah, any, anybody you like, really, I think. So just, just go for it. Hmm yeah well i definitely have johnny in it <laughs> for sure yeah. I, knew uh, gonna, I knew you were gonna say that you know, you know i'd say that straight away. <laughs> absolutely uh 
And for, wow, for a party, for a party, I mean, I would probably pick, I would want to pick guys that, that I never got a chance to play with, like Charlie Parker, you know, on, on and Charlie Parker and Coltrane and uh, Dizzy Gillespie and Miles, you know, in the horn section. And uh, uh, wow, there's a there's a keyboard player. Uh, uh, I think I might. I'd, I'd probably pick mostly jazz guys. Maybe uh, Dr. John and Billy Preston, and and yeah. uh, 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 let's see. What I else would I get? There's bass players. I might get Jocko or uh, I. I love John Bonham as a rock drummer. I'd, I'd like to right, get. Yeah. I'd like to get Gene Krupa and Buddy Rich wow, in yeah. there. <laughs> and uh, battling away. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, and I'd want to play. Uh, if you. If, to play one song, that's an impossible question. Uh, it would be it would be a medley. It would be a never ending medley of a whole bunch of songs. But I would uh, I would probably write a song. It would be similar to what I did on Entrance, where the like one side is a continuous twenty five minute side, and and there are different yeah. movements that represent jazz, blues, uh, classical, and rock. Uh, so I would either do a long medley, you know, or write a song along those lines. Yeah. So, uh, and and definitely if it's, if it's gonna be a party, it, it'd be a whole medley of party songs, you know, so. That was, that's a great question. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. I'm, gl I'm glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Uh, well, if you talk sounds, about sounds it, like, sounds like it would be a great party. Odd questions like that. Once somebody, well, somebody asked me, "What is your first memory of music?" And I thought, "Wow, what is you know?" I had to cast my mind back and think, "When did I first become aware? What's the first music I heard?" And what I came up with was, "I I was." warm and uh, cuddled uh, nestled in my mother's lap and I could feel this beautiful sensation flowing all over and around me and this was before I could talk I was uh, there are not any words in this memory but and I didn't know what this thing was but it was just enthralling and fascinating and I started squirming around and I wanted I've got to get to this what what is this and then I was able to peek up between her arms over the keyboard and and then I could see that her hands were making these beautiful undulating movements and and as I watched it I said oh there's a correlation between what those hands the 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 shape that's like creating this this sensation this sound that I'm hearing, and uh, and I couldn't believe like that I had forgotten that and uh, and it to me like it 
It has so much to do with my feelings about music, the love and joy and feeling of warmth and family and security. And like I've asked a lot of people that since, and they would say something like, you know, a record they heard or something they heard on the radio, yeah. something mechanical. And for me, it was that yeah. human, that, you know, that human thing. And uh, yeah. one other one I remember was I, I, I was doing a blues thing and this guy's, give me your definition of the blues in 10 words or less. And I said, ah, God, I can't, said, well, the blues is transforming suffering into joy. That's, that's what I think blues does. That's what music does. And uh, it's kind of Zen-like in that uh, suffering is universal. And one of the things about blues is, is it's, it's sad, but it makes you happy. And it's that yeah. interplay of opposites. And, and it's, it's realizing like, you know, like a lyric, like, uh, nobody loves me but my mother and she could be jiving too. You know, you can't help but smile when you, when you, yeah. when you hear that. And, uh, uh, that's, you know, uh, uh, I, I think that all music does that blues in particular. So there are a few crazy questions. Edgar, it's been fantastic talking to you, man. Thank you so much. Take care, man. You too. Bye-bye now. Thank you for joining us on the Blues Podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. And also make sure you leave us a review and a rating as this helps other people find the Blues Podcast. I'll catch you next time. Bye. <laughs>